0: Are you playing it safe in your Christian life? Do you go along with the status quo to blend in? Do you ever think that maybe God could never use you? Or maybe you feel that you're not very talented or gifted. You feel like, I'm just an ordinary person. I see people do great things and I hear great stories, but that's not me. Or maybe you feel less than ordinary You'll never be used for God in a significant way. Well, we're in a series this, uh next couple of weeks called Game Changers. And the whole emphasis on Game Changers is that God calls us to stand out from the crowd. He wants us to leave a mark here while we're on earth during our generation. God desires to use you in extraordinary ways. Last week, we learned about a unique character, John the Baptist. And how God used him. You maybe looked at John the Baptist said, you know, I really, I can't relate to that. Or you maybe you related to him. But you say, that's not me, God. Well, today I want to give you some encouragement. I want to let you know that no matter where you are in your stage of life, no matter what lack of gifts or abilities that you may or may not have, you're going to see and be encouraged by the story of Gideon. Gideon is the ultimate underdog. He is the most unlikely character to be chosen to lead God's people. It's found in the book of Judges. So if you can turn in the Bible to Judges chapter 6. The background here is in Judges. Uh, This is where Joshua has led the people of God to the, the promised land. And they are... Worshipping God and following God and Joshua dies. And then some time passes and that generation of followers of God start worshiping the different gods of the culture. And all that work to this point started to look like a failure. And you see in the book of Judges, there's this constant theme here. And as you study Judges, uh, I have to tell you, I would probably give it an R rating for the book of the Bible It's a pretty graphic book. I was kind of joking with my family saying, we probably won't see too many uh, kids' flanagraph pictures of, oh, look, the tent peg in the head, you know, things like that. You you just won't see it because it's a graphic book, but that's okay. That's why I love the Word of God, because it's honest, it's real. It talks about real stuff. And so here we have Israel has this problem, and this is their lowest point in their... uh, whole history if you look at the last verse or one of the last few verses of judges uh, 2125 it says in those days Israel had no king each man did what he considered to be right so total anarchy uh, this book records seven cycles of of this uh, over a span of 300 years and it's interesting that it's the same cycle that follows what happens is they start out with god's blessing then the people become spiritually complacent. Then God sends um, a group of individuals to uh, go against them. And suddenly they're harassed. And they cry out to God for help. And God sends a deliverer. And the sad thing is each one of these cycles, as you go through the book of Judges, gets worse. Now, when we think of a judge, you know, what comes to your mind at first? Do you think of, like, the judge in a courtroom, Right? Like gavel, you know, i that's what I would think. Um, I wish we had judges like in Europe, you know, where they have the wigs. I think it would be kind of cool, it'd be kind of fun. But anywho, I'll, I'll suggest that to our congressman later. But this whole issue of the judge uh, is not what is described in this book. A judge was actually uh, translated uh, deliver, a deliverer. So this would be more like a military general. This would be uh, someone who was... Uh, gifted at leading an army to, to defeat the enemy in battle. So that's really what a judge was. Uh, Gideon was one of those people that God would raise up in his time to lead the Israels to victory. Now, specifically, the, the context of when we come upon Gideon, there's a group called the Midianites. Now, these uh, people are, are nomadic as a tribe, and, and they're, they're pretty brutal on Israel. What they would do is, As soon as Israel would plant their crops and have all their cattle out, the Midianites would come in and wipe out all their crops and wipe out all of their uh, cattle. And so this happened for a period of seven years. You know, the people of Israel would go up to the hills and they would would, uh, run away from the enemy as they come. So this is a seven-year period of time. And I want to give you the big idea up front because I want to see you to see how this principle which is a timeless principle that God uses for us today weave through this story here's the big idea God does not call the equipped he equips the called by his power and for his glory so God does not call the equipped he equips the called by his power and for his glory all right, now on to the story. Let's look at uh, verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued from the hands of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in which land you live, but you have not listened to me. Stop and think about this. Here they're crying out for a deliverer and God sends them a prophet. He sends them someone to give them a message. Uh, I kind of, as an illustration, I'm thinking, has anybody ever had to call AAA before? You know, your, your tires, you know, blown and you're on the side of the highway what if you call AAA and they, you know, look, hey, Mr. Spencer, great, fantastic, I see you blowing your tire. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send you a brochure on tire safety and how to keep up with your tires and uh, call us if you need anything else, bye bye. You know, you'd be like, what? I-, I need help, I need to be rescued, I am at the side of the highway and I'm scared. I get instructions, you know, this is what they're, the people are thinking. You know, wait a minute, God, you're, you're giving us a message. You see, the problem of Israel wasn't primarily the Midianites. They were their own problem. They were asking God for deliverance, and God says, what you first need is a sermon. He wanted to get their undivided attention. And that's what I asked this morning of you. Maybe some of you here this morning are going through some difficulties in your life, some some stresses, some trials, and you're, you're thinking, God what's going on and what he's trying to do is he's trying to get your attention now not all trials and temptation are a result of sin but god sometimes wants to 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 have us think about our relationship with him you know you came feeling in maybe you needed something from god but what god wants you to do is first take a look at your heart to put a spotlight on your heart so let's look at the story continued verse 11 the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizzarite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. All right, so here we have an angel who takes a seat by the tree, and Gideon is threshing wheat. Now, I'm a suburban boy. I didn't grow up in the farm. Uh, I, I have no farming skills or knowledge. So as I'm looking at, what, what is threshing wheat? Well, basically what it is... Uh, for those non-farmers it's you take the 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 wheat and you throw it up in the air and what happens is that which is light flows away and then that which is good falls to the ground so you have to do it up in the air and so Gideon does this and he does this the Bible says in a wine press now when I think of a wine press do you, do you remember that episode with I love Lucy where she's doing the with the, the grapes and the wine press I'm thinking oh is that what it is no uh, I actually got a picture here of what a wine press in ancient Israel is, it's actually kind of underground, and so here Gideon is, is thrashing this wheat in this this hole, basically. Now, how is he getting it high enough is my question. What is he going you know as he's, as he's doing it I, I don't know I'm curious, but why was he doing that? It says because he was afraid he had fear of the Midianites, so he was gripped by fear. Now the angel of the Lord it says in verse twelve appeared to Gideon, and he said this, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. All right, so again, I've got kind of a a weird mind in in some respect. I I think of pictures and a lot of comedy, but I'm thinking Gideon is probably like looking around, right? Like, me? Are you kidding me? Or, or, you know, maybe it's like a sitcom and laughter breaks out because you're thinking, here's this guy, you know, who's afraid, and, and God says, You are a mighty warrior. You know, here's an important point. The angel of the Lord was not referring to what Gideon was, but what he would become in the strength of the Lord. See, Gideon was not called to serve because he was courageous, his courage actually grows out of God's calling. See how that works? So when God calls us to be game changers, he doesn't define us by the condition that he finds us in, but what he's determined to make us in Christ. Folks, that's good news, that he's not done with us, that he's conforming us into the image of his son, Jesus. So God looks down at this hole and he says, mighty warrior, stand up. All right, so you're Gideon. What what is going to be your response? Here's his response in verse 13. Uh, Pardon me, Lord. Lord he replied but if the lord is with us why has this happened to us why are all his wonders and ancestors who told us about what they said do not didn't he not bring us out of egypt now the lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of midian well two things here uh, first of all i think he's totally wrong-headed uh, he's saying that that god has left the people which in fact what has happened the people have left god And he said, God, you know, I've heard of these stories you used to do a long time ago of your great and mighty things. Where are those? And I'm thinking, you got an angel in front of you, dude. You know, that's, that's kind of a big deal. So, again, God is patient with him. And I love how God is so patient with where we are in our faith. He answers him and says this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian hands. Am I not sending you? You see, Gideon's answer from God is, I'm about to do it, and I'm doing it through you. Uh, here's a, a fun fact here about this passage. In verse 12, he is called an angel of the Lord, and he talks about the Lord in the third person. Uh, but in the verse 14, he's called the Lord directly. This is actually what's called a pre-incarnate. Appearance of Christ. Did you know that? Did you know Christ appeared in the Old Testament? It's pretty cool. Uh, I encourage you to do a study on that. But this is actually Jesus who he's talking to. Again, we're going to look at what he says. Pardon me, Lord. Verse 15. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. God... I am a small, petty man. I'm little. And, and of all the tribes, we're the weakest tribes. And all the families, in the families, I'm the weakest one. It, you, this has got to be a choke, joke. God, where's the camera? Come on. You're going to put this on YouTube. I'm not getting punked, right? That's what I'm, I'm thinking. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. You want me to be this mighty warrior to lead the people? I love this response again from the Lord. He says verse 16, the Lord answered and said, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. See, everything you need is in one statement. I will be with you. God basically says that it's not about you. I'm going to be with you. I'm sending you. I'm going to do great works through you and give you the power and strength. You know, you think at that point that would be enough for Gideon. You think, okay, God, it sounds good. Well, again, you see Gideon is, is with his lack of faith and his faith is starting to maybe grow. He asks God for a sign, a request, a miracle to happen. In in the next uh, section, I'll summarize it here. Uh, he makes a meal. The angel makes it a fire, like catches on fire, which is pretty cool. And then he's like, whoa, you're God. And so after that, he says, I'm going to build an altar for you and worship you, God. And I'm going to... Uh, follow you and so god gives him another assignment. He says now get in I want you to go to your own household And I want you to tear down the the altar you have to Baal and the the pole there the Asteroid pole And uh, he does it. He does it at nighttime. He does you know, he comes in but he does it And so he, he faithfully obeys god. So now it's time for the big show here To defeat the impossible enemy God tells him to go and muster up troops from his group of Israel here. And so Gisrael, uh, so uh, Gideon makes a call out and 32,000 show up. You think, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, these are people, he's like, okay, 32,000. But Gideon is still not convinced. Uh, he's having trouble with this. Uh, you know, the, mot- mot- uh, the, the um, motto, go big or go home. Uh, I think his motto was mm, go home. <laughs> okay god he says in verse 36 this because he asked for another sign he says gideon says to god if you will save israel by my hand as you have promised stop there gideon had god's promise and that should have been a no uh, enough but no ifs but gideon needs more proof this becomes probably one of the more famous stories in the bible the fleece story right I'm going to put out fleece before the Lord. You've heard that term, Gideon's fleece. Well, what he does is he says, okay, God, if this is really you, I'm going to put out this fleece, this wool. And at nighttime, if it gets wet and the ground's dry, uh, then I'll know it's from you. So what happens the next morning? It's wet. The ground is dry. And then suddenly he's thinking, wait a minute, in science class, I think that naturally happens. (laughs) So, okay, God, please be be with me, uh, patient with me here. Can we reverse this, uh, make this dry in the ground wet? And he does. And now he knows that God is with him. So you have here on the other side um, of the valley, this coalition that's forming. And now this coalition is the Midianites and other groups, tribal groups. And that number, according to chapter 8, is about 135,000. And so this odds number here is basically four to one. So God talks to him in chapter 7. He says, Gideon, we have a numbers problem. And I'm I'm thinking Gideon's like, oh, good God, you see it. I thought I was the only one seeing this. And so he's going to fix this problem. You ready? Verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Okay, you're Gideon, right? What? (laughs) I just, I'm thinking you're going to give me more troops. And I'm sure he's freaking out. But here's the the story point here is that he's going to need to learn to depend on God's strength, not his own smarts, not his own strengths. And so the Bible says in verse 3, 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. And again, I kind of have this picture when he tells them, he says, okay, guys, uh, if you want to leave, wow, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> you know? and so 22,000, you know, peer pressure. Everybody's like, okay, phew, I'm glad I don't have to do it. So you have 10,000. All right, so what are the odds? 14 to 1. We have 10,000 men. God comes to again to Gideon. And he says, there's still too many men. Here's what I want you to do. This is a very unusual passage, how God will pick who he wants left. Uh, let's look at verse five. It says, so Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told him separate those who lap the water with their tongues, like a dog from those who kneel to the ground to drink. So 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths and the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon with 300 men that have lapped, I will save you and give you into Midian's hands. Now, what's the, the theological nugget of truth there? I do not know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I tried to study. There's some like speculation of maybe it was uh, the, those who lapped, uh, went down to drink it, weren't being alert. And so I don't know. The point was for God is basically it's a story of God's dependence on him. And that's not going to be their own strength. So 300 remain. So you have these 300 dog water lappers. And 9,700 stay back. So now, let's look at the odds for those keeping score. 450 to 1. So 450 to 1. That night, God tells Gideon, I'm going to give you them into your hands. And so he knows that Gideon is just totally afraid. So he's going to give him one more. Encouragement. He says, "Get down. I want you to go down. Take a, take somebody and go down. And I want you at night to listen to the troops. See what they're saying." So he goes down, and there's this this scene here where this one soldier is saying, "Man, I had a dream. I don't know if they talk this way, but man, I had a dream where this like barley loaf. He sounds like he's from California. Sorry, uh, barley loaf is rolling down the hill and knocks us over. And 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 that's got to be Gideon's army." And so they're scared. You know, I think it's kind of funny. A a loaf of bread, really? I mean, I would think it would be like lightning and a big soldier. But no, a barley loaf. Something as humble. A barley loaf was basically the most humble food you can have. That's the kind that was given to the poor and it was scraps. But again, as we look at this, it's, again, not about, uh, about the strength. It's about God using anything or anyone to do his work. So Gideon hears their fear, and he's encouraged. So now he's, he's ready to do battle. And I want to, this is audience participation time. Uh, I feel bad for, for her, but hi, Lydia. How you doing? It's the Bell family. Can you do me a favor? Can you stand up? Will you let them? Okay, thanks. Okay, here's your assignment. Okay, you, look at everybody. You get to drive all these people out of this room out of Montgomery, out of Loveland, okay? Everybody look mean at her, okay? growler. Okay. Uh, She's too cute. How can you do that? (laughs) Shame on you. No. Um, So here are the tools I'm going to give you that drive them out. Okay, you ready? I'm going to give you a horn. So hold on to that. I'm going to give you a clay pot. You're going to use your voice because you're going to shout. And I'm going to give you a torch, okay? So are you ready? Wait, hold on. There you go. Special effects, folks. Amazon, $3. Okay. So, ready? Go. Okay. No. You don't have to. <laughs> See, here's the point. God has these 300 individuals to fight this war, and they have these tools. Wow, you get what you pay for. It won't turn off. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Instead of weapons, he says, you're going to use a torch, it's a clay pot, and you're going to use a horn in your voice. And what he does is he divides the troops into three groups of 100 to surround the camp. And he's going to tell them, okay, at the right time, when I when I leave the charge here, we're going to blow our horns. We're going to shout, great is our God and great is our leader, Gideon. We're going to throw the pot down, and, and we're going to put our torches up. And we're going to keep doing it. Well, they do it. And if you can imagine the sound that would have made, and the troops who are probably sleeping are totally in chaos mode. I mean, they're waking up. Have you ever been waking up out of your sleep and you're like, ah, you know, that's, think about that. Think about that kind of noise. And so we have groups that, that have different language and different battle armor. So they're, they don't know who's a friend, who's a foe and they're, they're going after each other, killing each other and they're running away. And God takes the remainder of the 9,700 and basically brings them in and just mops them out. So we have this incredible story how God uses this nobody, Gideon, to do great works. You know, there's there's a theme in Scripture where God often chooses the unlikely people to be used greatly for God. Look at this verse in uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, that no one may boast before God. The big idea, again, God does not call the equipped. He doesn't look down and say, oh, hey, you're you're ready to go. You're prepackaged. You're perfect for a leader. No. He says that he's going to equip us. He equips the call. By His power, you know. If we try to do it in our own strength, we're going to fail, aren't we? You know, a lot of times in Scripture, you see verses like, uh, "In my weakness, He has made strong." What's well, because of His power, we we can do this, and it's for His glory. So God looks at this small, cowardly man, Gideon. And he says, "Mighty man of valor." When God calls you, He doesn't start with where you are. He is is looking forward to what He's going to make you in His strength. Satan is the one, though, who reminds you of your past and who you are, right? Satan is called the accuser of brethren. And so what he'll do is say, no, you can't do that. No, remember your past. You're too far from God. You can't do that. But God says, righteous saint, mighty man of valor. And you might say, but God, I'm none of these. But God says to you, oh, but you will be in my name. The Holy Spirit starts with a declaration of what He's making us in Christ and what He's going to grow you into. As we close, I want us to look at a story here, a video clip. Uh, This is Bishop Ron Archer. Uh, He was at the 2015 Gideon's Conference, and he shares a story. The story is about this 14-year-old woman who dropped out of high school and was quickly picked up by a pimp who said, "You know what? You can make a lot of money." And so at 14 she became a prostitute. And I'll let you listen to the rest of the story here.
1: And at age 16 she got pregnant. We call it having a trick baby. Two strangers meet for a business transaction and there's a mistake. The pimp said, you can't make any money having a baby in the oven. We have got to kill this baby. The baby was born two months premature with no pancreas, a learning disability, a bladder too small, unable to function, a severe stutterer. We call it a trick baby. Nobody wants the baby. No hope, no future. Kill it was the word. That baby was me. I'm the lowest of the low. I come from the guttermost. I come from a hellish condition. And so when I would go to school, I couldn't talk. I stuttered so severely from the trauma. My mother had a madam who hated men. Her name was Dolores, and she was a sadist. When you are tortured like that, you learn four things. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, and pretend nothing is happening. And by age 10, I had had enough... I want it to die. And in my school, they put me in a boiler room with other kids who were dysfunctional like me where we would finger paint all day long. And yet there was a teacher, thank God for her, who had a Gideon Bible. And she came to my school and she saw kids like me as her mission field. And she would give me this Gideon Bible and read to me stories of dysfunctional characters who God used. She would say to me, Ronaldo, God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply he will turn your pain into power your wounds into wisdom she had me read the story of Moses who was also a stutterer I began to understand that God did love a trick baby even as low as I was there was hope for me and possibility and when a child begins to understand the love of God and the power of his word and the possibilities it changes everything I began to memorize the Bible that gives. Bible reading 2,000 scriptures, and when you put that kind of word in a life, something begins to happen. My stuttering went away, I stopped wetting the bed, I stood tall, I became valedictorian, became a pastor, and priest until everybody in my family got saved. Why? Because somebody placed the Gideon Bible in a woman's hand that changed a life forever. Yes, I was born a trick, baby, but the trick was on the devil because of you and the power of the word of God.
0: That is a modern day example of god taking a nobody and making him into a game changer here's our promise from god today it says in philippians being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will come carry it on to the completion of god until the day of christ jesus today is the day to make a commitment to god you know if you've been suppressing his calling due to fear i encourage you today to be bold and trust god If you've been waiting on God, saying, God, I want you to equip me first, then I'll trust and obey you. It's going to never happen. Obey God today, and then he will equip you. And you can say, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is with me. I can do all things in Christ for his glory. Would you please stand as we celebrate our mighty God? it's a time where you need to just get right with God, either for the first time in your life, or maybe you've been suppressing God's calling and you want to say, Today is the day, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be bold. I want to send you out with the rest of the verse I read in Ephesians. It says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. May you go in God's peace. May you be bold for him. God bless.